Hello, this is Xander Brothel with CS2, and you are listening to the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. I am incredibly excited to welcome today's guests, our beloved hosts, co-host extraordinaire, Chrissy. How are you doing? Good. I'm not the host anymore, though, so just say ex-host. Ex-host. There you go. No, I know. I was just kidding. Um, but yeah, it's great to be back on. Um, yeah, we'll see how my mom brain does today, you know, but I think it will do all right. Um, and excited to be back on and excited to be back on a little more frequently, too, um, and not having to host uh, this time around. So it's great. But thanks. Thanks for having me on, Xander. Of course. Of course. Thanks for joining us. So uh, today we are going to be talking about a very interesting topic, and yeah. it is why you need to secret shop your buyer's journey. I know that this is something that you're super passionate about, Chrissy. I'm going to share just a really quick story before we jump into this. My mom, she used to work for a very large retailer, and she had a secret shopper that went through, and this person stole a lot of products. And she got brought into the manager's office and the person said, revealed himself to be a secret shopper and said, you know, I got away with a lot, but I have to say you were the most pleasant person that I've ever stolen from. <laughs> wow. Your mom must have a lot of interesting stories like that. But I, <laughs> I, I have experience of retail as well. But the funny thing is I used to always catch the, the people like shoplifting and then I would feel so terrible like once they would get caught because it would be like teenage girls or something oh. you know always right but you know nobody can get anything past you which is good <laughs> I just knew what to look for you know just knew what to look for um well well this will be a little bit different than that different. Type of secret different. shopper right yeah <laughs> yeah and I think it's a good segue like kind of I was a little bit worried to say secret shop because I didn't want people to think, oh, you know, we're going to try and spy on like what sales is doing or like, you know, that doesn't create alignment. If anything, I think teams need more alignment. Um, but the the thing that I wanted to preface is like you're really kind of auditing yourself, like the stuff that you're building, the stuff that your team's building and then the, the stuff that your team is supporting. And so I just wanted to make that clear. It's like not trying to be sneaky or shady. If anything, you want to tell your sales managers, like you're probably doing this, especially if you create like a pseudo account to do it. Um, but yeah, so we're not trying to be sneaky here. No sneaky, no sneaky. <laughs> but something that can be super effective. So yeah. to talk about that effectiveness, um, first of all, when we just say secret shopping, can you give like a brief overview of, of the context that that we're coming into this with like yeah level first yeah so i think the thing is like there's a you know and we look at this mainly from the inbound buyer journey um and that's usually the buyer journey a lot of the time you know has started way before someone comes and like fills out a contact us form or you know becomes an mql from an event or something like that but it's really trying to you know Put yourself in that process. So, you know, going through and creating, you can kind of 
create a kind of fake account for this or like use like a friend's profile if you get their, you know, approval or something like that and email address and filling out a form and really kind of test, okay, what happens to me as a lead when I'm interested and from a processing standpoint in your back end, but also like from the, like from the user experience, the front end, like what, what was that follow-up? Like what was the follow-up time? Did I get like blocked from sync errors and no one ever followed up with me? Did I, um, or did I have a good experience booking time straight on the calendar? And, um, and then, you know, what communication did I get afterward? So really just kind of, um, just testing out that kind of whole process without just like, oh, okay, I'm just gonna use my own email file form. The per people from the team are gonna disqualify me. It would be better if you kind of create like a profile uh, for like a persona and then also make sure that you have the data that supports your model to MQLU, which I'll talk about in a second. But um, really, you're just testing out that buyer journey. It's really in, you know useful to get insight into your buyer journey to help you understand like blocking points, unnecessary friction, like I said, poor follow up time, which is I think Chili Piper came out with their, you know, report recently. And it's, you know, I think on average, it takes like 48 hours, 72 hours um, to get even follow up from a contact sale, sometimes even more. Sometimes you don't even get followed up with. <laughs> so, right. Um, so there's definitely improvement there when we know that like the quicker you can follow up with someone who already is interested, you know, the higher likely you are to convert. So in this day and age with all the tools and stuff, they're um, there isn't really a excuse to not have a great experience there. Uh, so it's good to figure out though, what might be blocking that, um, and understand if it's like poorly orchestrated, you know, there's a lot of different points and handoffs in the buyer journey, um, between marketing and, um, sales and having at the same time, there's communication from both ends. So what does that look like? Um, and it can just be a great way to prove out hypothesis. You have a lot of the time. You see like, oh, you know, no one's following up with our leads in the right way. Um, oh, we maybe we are sending out the wrong messages. Like what is sales sending out while well, we're sending out marketing um, or the personalization like might be missing. Like you might get a, a generic email or something. Um, so I think right now is just really important. That's why I like this topic, because if there's anything that a company can control, um, it's what your buyer experience is. And even if you only get, say, like five leads to your website, well, let's make sure you convert those five leads, you know, per month. Like, so I, I hear a lot of companies go, oh, we're not big enough for doing something like that. And I, I would beg to differ. Like, I think even CS2, we think about that journey and our inbound, you know, is is not huge. So um, and you're, this could be your competitive advantage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, no matter what size, you're still putting money into getting those mm -hmm. leads, whether it's through paid, like like actual advertising, or yeah. just standing up your website. Like, like, let's make sure that we're making the most of it. Um, we spend a lot of time trying to get people to our website and aware of our brand, and then if you know we succeed at that, and then we have it just fall apart, what a waste. Totally. You bring up like a really good point. Like a lot of the time we see marketers are like, I'm trying to drum up inbound leads. I'm doing my best to get people to come to our website. I'm doing paid ads. But like, what's, why is our conversion so poor? It's like, well, what happens after that? You know, like there, you know, 
it, it's not like you you just stop there you know that's if anything the beginning and the, the easier part you know it's just what what happens to them um when they do get found like how do you nurture them how do they get followed up with how do they book with bail so for sure like but I think in this market too people are like ah we need pipeline go spend a lot of money to try and get inbound leads and they're not a lot of the time just focusing on well what are we doing after that yeah yeah 100 percent um so if I wanted to go about doing this do you have any recommendations on like where to start and what to do yeah I mean recently actually I'm like I wish that we could create a company that did this but I, I really think like creating kind of a fake domain or company name would be really useful, but that is very challenging to do um, unless you, you know, spend the time doing it. So if you can, that would be like awesome. Um, otherwise, I would maybe see like, is there a persona that you could, you know, create um, and use uh, to fill out the form? So um, or even a friend, like you might have a friend that meets your persona, like, Hey, message them. Hey, can I just use your information? Like, I promise I'll remove you afterward. Um, but I just want to make sure that, you know, and then they can forward on what emails they get or something like that. Um, for us at CS2, sometimes we'll still use our information just because we are, you know, um, not really we're not from that same company so sometimes we'll do it for the client themselves but if you can create a fake domain or company name uh, make sure it's not just a gmail especially if you have rules to like disqualify people who give the personal domain but if you don't that's even better use a gmail address and put in that information for your fake company and put in information uh that makes you mql so look at your lead scoring like hey is there certain industries that score highest is there um, you know, a certain job title, put that. Cause you also want to see how are you getting, you know, scored? Are you MQLing? Especially if you're not, if you're maybe trying out both journeys, one, if you, uh, contact sales and one, if you just maybe say you have it, like I'm a, you know, event lead. And then I download a white paper. What happens to me? White paper. That's so, you know, old age, but you know what I mean? Like a piece of kind of, I dated myself. <laughs> an ebook yeah exactly <laughs> well uh you had mentioned it's really hard to like create it and and get that domain do you have mm -hmm. any like color as to why that's difficult i mean it's hard i mean it first like to pay for a domain <laughs> you have to do that True. and then um but if you can invest in it then you like just go and, and do it um I'm sure there's things out there. I was actually doing some research on like, oh, creating a fake domain and and persona is just a little bit hard to do that with it, which which makes sense because there's people that try and spoof, you know, companies all the time. Um, and so you can create forward it, forwarding addresses and stuff like that. So that if you use Gmail, there are some things that you can do where if there's a certain email address, then you can forward that to, you know, your own email address and, and things like that. So, um, but yeah, be creative. It's hard to do though, because like you, but one thing that I do suggest is you could use like a Gmail email address and you could create like a LinkedIn profile with that, with the, with the buyer profile. So build out like with a, a picture and 
you know, your first name, last name, your, you know, some experience on there. That's like taking it to the next level. And that's what, what I wish we could do. Um, but even if you create like simple enough where like you could be found in search, that's good too. But let's be honest, like Love your that. reps are probably going to follow up, especially if your contact fails. And so if you just have enough data there that maybe they aren't verifying, but it'd be interesting to figure out if they are because that even tests like, is your buyer journey? Like, are they doing research? So, um, but yeah, it's a bit tricky to do that. So if you could just kind of use a Gmail with your, you know, name and domain, or if you use a friend's profile or a friendly, then that's great too. So that's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, we, we, I laugh because I right now you and I are kind of dealing with that where some of my <laughs> test data that I've been using with the client, they keep on reaching out to you and you're like, Xander, can you get rid of that, please? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, at least it's working. So yeah, no. there you go. <laughs> I mean, that's why I can't get too mad because I was like, hey, at least they're following up on their leads. Like it would be, exactly. yeah, too bad <laughs> if they weren't, you know, so. Absolutely. Um. Okay, so, so we have it set up we've we've established the user we've gone through some of the journey what are some of the insights that we should be looking into and what can we uncover yeah oh one thing i forgot to mention make sure that the team knows that you're doing this so like i think that creates alignment too just give a heads up to like your market like especially if you're a consultant doing this make sure everyone knows you're doing it and then for 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 yourself like tell your tell your team's manager because like if then they find out oh, wait, you know, this is a, a big person be like, oh, yeah, we know we're just kind of testing out what happened just to make sure like not everyone <laughs> is not aware about it. So do that. Uh, make sure you have alignment there. And it'll make sense why they would already know that when I when I go through it. So, um, but yeah, what insights can you uncover? Um, so, I mean, the first thing is like, do you get any response at all? Like, so the first case is like, if you have a demo request, like if you have a booking agent, like Chili Piper, you can book time right away. That you were like, is an amazing experience already because you're able to book with people directly. But what if you have to fill out a form and, and go through some qualification process? If you don't receive any response at all within like seven days, I would probably give up with some brain for one. Uh, that means that something happened. So then you can go into your test record and see, you know, was there a reason for that? Am I MQLing and going into their queue? Um, is there something wrong where, like, there's a sync error? Um, is there something wrong where, um, the you know, my scoring model is not picking it up for whatever reason? That um, that can tell you a lot about just your own processes. Um Slow response time to book a demo is super common, but if it, if everything's in place, then what happens? Like, oh, is is you know, are we um, assigning leads to the wrong person? Is that person even there anymore? Or you know, sometimes we can even be like routing's outdated, you know, and and that's an issue. So what are all the things that could go beyond that? So check your CRM and what could happen there. Um. Other things you can really see is like mismatch communication streams. So I've done a podcast in the past with you, Xander, on like um, email orchestration, which I highly suggest people go back and look at because email orchestration is super important for the buyer journey. Like, are you is your team sending out messages that conflict with each other? 
So an example of this, you could get an automated email from a rep right away. Then you might get a follow-up email that's not automated from another person that's doing the same thing. And then you might be getting an email from marketing that is following up with you at the same exact time, basically. Um, you know, one's from your marketing automation platform, one's from a sequence, and one might be like within that program or also just a trigger in like your sales engagement tool. And so that right there just shows you that's a confusing experience. Who do who do I answer? Like what mess, you know, and, and then you're getting three emails like that's not it, it looks like poor communication. And then also who is the rep? You have two different reps reaching out to you. So um mismatched communication can be an insight um you can uncover and just like you know adapting that how can we simplify that how can we make sure um that for leads that come through that it's really clear and also if it lacks personalization i just feel like you have an opportunity right away to not just send a generic email so it could be prioritizing leads that are within your persona versus maybe if you have a lot of inbound some like lower graded leads so uh, maybe even optimizing the process based on what type of uh, lead it is, is um, kind of a good one. And then scoring prioritizations, like I said, like you might not become an MQL um, or like sales ready is what we call it instead of MQL. Um, and then you'll see friction points. So, you know, um, I highly suggest you like go through your website, not just go directly to a contact sales form and fill it out, but also go through your website and put yourself in the um, the eyes of like your persona. Okay, how am I going to find content? I know nothing about, say I went, I know nothing about CS2. I'm going to go to my their website. You know, what do I see? Like, what is it pertaining to me? Oh, what do they do? Do I know right away? If I want to find content, is that easily findable? Sometimes I've found companies have a ton of content and literally the only way you can find it is from a tiny little link in their like footer. footer. And I'm like, well, no one's, no one's going to find that, you know? Um, and yeah. And then it's like, is there social proof? How do I know if like companies like mine use it? Um, which is very necessary. And then for the content itself, you know, is that behind a gate right now? Like, a lot of the buyer journey, the prospect wants to do on their own. So if you're putting like a form in front of that, well, it's, it's there, it could be really early. So yes, you're going to get a lead and good for you. You get to add that to your lead goal. But, you know, it could actually make more sense to just educate the prospect up front. And we talk about this all the time. It's just a good reminder because I think in times like times like these, like right now where you are pressured like crazy to hit these goals, Sometimes it's, they're even not great goals. Like how many leads are you creating? Well, it should be really pipeline. And so um, sometimes we'll be, you know, we'll fall back on some bad habits just to try and meet those goals. Oh, let's just put a gate in front of everything. Let's just add a bunch, you know, a bunch of content and paid ads and, and then just start, you know, following up with those people right away and, blasting them with emails that are not personalized at all we don't even know if they're interested so yeah just look for that like right is your, is your content gated is, are you even gathering enough info on your forms when when someone does request a demo so um how can my experience be personalized based on my needs sometimes people i think 
over over index on asking for information for things that shouldn't have it. And then they under index on how much information you should ask someone when they are interested. So contact request forms, like that's a great way to sit, to just like, you know, what do they want to learn about? What are the pain points? And that could be either on the form itself. It can be an email survey that gets sent out prior to the demo meeting. Um, get creative, but that person wants to have a tailored experience. So it's a good thing to do. And then, yeah. And then I mentioned the last thing, and really this goes down to the operations part of the team, and it's so common. Um, But there could be actual just system errors and the way you handle data that may be preventing people from getting follow-up. That darn state and country pick list, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which yeah. we have a great episode where Grant talks about how to normalize for that so you don't need those validations in place. But there are many other reasons why people get blocked going into the systems for sure. Yeah. One of one of the things as you were talking about like like actually experiencing the website. Yeah. And I empathize a lot with like web teams, right? Whether it's yeah. a web manager, a developer, like you you get so into the weeds of making sure that that system works that Oftentimes they don't have time to step back and do the Mm -hmm. buyer's journey either, right? And like you can come in with a fresh perspective and maybe offer a lot of great feedback that they may not have heard because they're so they're so focused on kind of like we are, so focused on fixing all of the things that are in the weed that you don't see the bigger picture. So I think that there's there's definitely benefit that you can have there. And once again, just kind of preface it with what you're doing and and why you're doing it so that it's not feeling like you're just snooping and putting putting your nose where it doesn't need to be but you're trying to share like this is what a buyer is experiencing totally and i think that sometimes they're the one i think people always talk oh marketing ops or the operators or rev ops like they're kind of siloed from the rest of the marketing team i think the web team a lot of the time is siloed from the rest of the marketing team in and and that does a disservice like if anything marketing ops or revenue ops the web to front end, demand gen, SDR and sales, like they could all be part of this like whole kind of team, entire team committee that's working toward this. Like you all have parts of that buyer journey from the front to how they process through to when they get, um, you know, followed up with by sales. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that tighter alignment and I think they want to be part of that right and like you said like sometimes they can get so much into this oh I have this ticket for this request I need to put this thing there I need to add this thing but and as operators we should sympathize with that we can feel like that sometimes but what do we know that that happens there what happens is like there's no strategy you're just adding on feature and feature feature and none of it makes sense and you just create a ton of tech debt well is that happening also on the website um and um, part of it could just be for lack of alignment and in, including them in like earlier in the strategic decision. Agreed. Agreed for sure. And if you feel like you are just like in the weeds and not being strategic and you don't have that roadmap that we always talk about, like this is a really cool way to start to establish that. But yeah, um, it, it gives you that chance to elevate. Yeah. What for, for this process, what's the most difficult thing in your opinion to like track? Yeah, I think the hard thing that that you're not going to be able to test fully is like the full funnel. Uh, so because right, like you're not an actor, you're not pretending to do the full experience, including your demo and stuff like that. So 
that part is harder to secret shop. And so especially since we're talking to revenue growth architects here, like you're on the RevOps team or marketing ops or uh, demand gen, you know, I think focusing on everything like pre kind of demo or up to the scheduling of the demo is really useful. But then looking at leads who have gone through the full journey and you can see with a lot of our systems, like what emails were sent out through outreach, like pre-meeting, post-meeting, um, sit in a demo if you want to. Like that's actually just interesting to do in general. Um, if you are working at a company, I feel like you should always one, sit in a demo. And also I feel like in certain cases, if you're actually marketing the tool like demand gen, you should maybe try and be forced to do a demo. Um, it's just really interesting to do that. I've been at companies where I have done that. So, um, and you'll have more, maybe more sympathy for your sales counterparts too, but, uh, <laughs> so that's harder to do. Like the full kind of the full on experience is hard to track. Um, and you might end up getting hiccups where like, yeah, oh, they figure out you're uh, a test lead or whatever, but the, you're going to get as much insights into the main thing that we want to get insights into, I would say is like your overall like processing, what happens like from your system standpoint, the follow-up standpoint, your sync standpoint, any errors, are you getting put into a nurture stream? Is it the right one? Those are all things that, um, this team or people I'm talking to have full control over. So focus on that rather than like, what's your demo experience like? Like that's the salespeople and sales managers job to focus on. Yep. Yep. Agree with that. And it's important to be able to trust that those teams are then responsible for that piece. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So we we're, we're doing the process we're learning, like, what are ways that you would recommend sort of documenting the journey? How can you share this information out? Uh, any tips that you may have for the audience there? Yeah, so I think I think one is, um, two, is when you're doing this, maybe focus on kind of like your key stakeholders, like I said, and maybe even developing kind of like a team that you can point on and create, even if you're leading it, like have key stakeholders. So I think the first thing, like identifying who that should be. So I think like I, I already mentioned all those people kind of earlier, like someone on your website would be good. Uh, not website, website, like the web web front end. Someone in demand gen, um, like an SDR manager, um, a sales manager, if you're saying directly to sales too, and they're a big part of the process or, or inside sales. Um, you know, the marketing ops, rev ops team. Um, having kind of like kind of key, some key stakeholders who have control over those pieces of the buyer journey, really letting them maybe, well, one, if you're leading it, let them know that you're doing that. And then also involving them in part of the process. If you can't like kind of form a little tighter team around it. And I wouldn't say create like loads of work, but maybe first sell them on like, why is this important? And I've kind of already talked about that, but the big important thing is like, this could be your key differentiator in um how you win deals like a lot of the time people judge how they they experience as a prospect as what their experience is like with as a customer and with your product if it's very streamlined and it's a great experience from the start they're almost gonna think oh this is what it'll be like when i'm a customer if it's poor and you're a prospect it's gonna be like well what's it gonna be like once i am a customer and i've already signed the dotted line because I think a lot of the time we know that that could degrade down from there it maybe doesn't even get better so I think assign team members to focus 
on kind of their core areas and working with them. Um, and examples of how, why this can be important is like, you know, you could have better inbound outreach um, with working with your SDR manager, um, your demand gen team. They might have the keys and the budget for a better instant booking experience. Um, RevOps, you are, you know, you're usually focused on how can we eliminate tech debt so we're not having sync errors and things like that. Are there lead views that are being created for for picking up these? Like, how are those leads getting into some type of sequences? Um, and then marketing ops, like how are those leads being nurtured and scored and so forth? Um, and then your web team for the front end. So there's all kind of key core pieces that could that those team members have the budget for. They have the the ways to change them um, and own those parts, but they all kind of fit together. Yeah. Um, and so then after creating like a team together, I think a great exercise to start with is, well, it's actually two exercises now that I think about it, but one, and we talk about this in the email orchestration one, but really uh, on the, on the rev ups and marketing up side, being able to actually like document your inbound journey, especially from a process pipeline experience and what systems are involved and stuff like that is very useful to just have in general and have that documented. So if you don't have that, 100% do that. Like it's just really insightful. Um, and um, the second piece would be like working as a team and this could be a great exercise. And this could be even something you do like on an all hands, QBRs, or even as a tiger team in general, it could even be just you doing it too. And then, and then, you know, looking at it, I think dreaming up your ideal buyer experience, if you were the buyer, um, and then compare what that looks like to what you have today. Um, and so, um, I think there's like what happens operationally and then what would happen from the front end. But when we are focusing on buyer journey, kind of the fun part for the whole team to do is focus on what happens as a buyer in the buyer journey? Like what happens to me, um, you know, when I become a lead, um, and comparing with each other and talking about it, because I think we've talked about this a lot in, in the podcast. Um, we've talked about market, like you would want to be marketed to, but for some reason, still marketers just don't do that. They just market in the way that they've always marketed before. <laughs> and uh, marketed in the way that like I can get my head around, like, or market in the way that I can control. We're very much focused on kind of like core hard like numbers, that goals that sometimes in the process we kind of lose sight of like, well, how do I want to like what would I want that experience to look like for me? Um and instead of what experience will help me get to my like arbitrary goals and goal setting aside that you know can be debated but like what does that look like so i mean it's just your journey has changed so yeah yeah so much yeah and you know it's nothing new that people want to be able to do research on their own that's been the case since the advent of the internet right and beforehand, as much as possible, I want to I want to just learn as much as I can before I necessarily need to talk to a person who's going to try and pitch me. I want to get like the neutral decision. 
And you're right. Like it, it's it's a complete counterpoint to marketing needs to be data driven, needs to prove value, all of those things. Yes, they are really important. But if it's getting in the way of an ideal customer journey, you have to be able to tell that story as well. And this can definitely outline that. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, there's a lot of like kind of core things that have changed. I think especially in the past, like, at least for me from being in the space, like in the past 13 years, like it used to be, okay, you go to an event, you see a vendor, you talk to someone there, they scan your badge, you might like get a demo or you might like watch one of their webinars. Um, and it was very kind of like passive, you know, in some ways, like kind of a little bit slower too. There just wasn't as much out there either. So it's like, okay, we need a webinar platform. Who should we go with? Okay, here's the two. Now it's okay, we need a webinar platform. Here's the 20. Go and try and figure it out, you know? And so, and there's a lot more people involved now too. But in the end, like, you're actually not even just selling to a company, you're selling to a person. Because a lot of the time now, as buyers, if we're given that budget, we really hold like, you know, some of that like allegiance or loyalty or, you know, excitement around a tool because our job will be so intertwined with it. We hold some of that value even like personally. You'd be like, I've used this tool forever. I love it. You know, I'm going to use it again. Or, oh, like, help me get bought buy in into why I should use it. Oh, this company seems really cool. It'd be great to be one of their customers, you know, something like that. But yeah. It just changes. And then and in the end, like people are just going to other places to get that social proof, like communities and, um, you know, user events and um, and things like that to really understand like, oh, will this be good for me rather than just banking on? Is this a great demo? OK, I'm sold. Absolutely. So, Chrissy, we are we're coming up to the end of our time together. Um, is there. Are there any closing thoughts that you want to leave the audience with? Yeah, I mean, for the exercise of dreaming up your ideal buyer experience, I think do do that. I went through and did it myself, and it's like kind of long, but it's typical things that I talked about. You know, like no forms on content, only for demo request or webinar event signups. That that's a no brainer. Like, why would I just give up my information for a piece of content? Um, you know, a video or tool to test out your product. There's so many like cool things that you can do even just like on your site where you can like literally test out a platform. And I know the for enterprises are like roll their eyes are rolling in the back of their head. Like they usually don't like showing the tool up front, but I think it's starting to become like necessary. Like people want to yeah. see what they're buying. Um, especially if you're a startup, uh, like a startup that's something really useful because if, if you have no brand, no, you know, none of that, seeing, seeing that is useful. Um, and then and then really the orchestration of how I'm getting followed up with. I love instant meeting booking or if you don't have that, getting some type of follow-up that's really personalized um, and matches my needs that I'm looking for, um, even getting surveyed ahead of time. Um, with like two questions of what I want to see is great. Um, and then, yeah, I think, and then communication, like if it's coming from marketing, tell me all the cool things your customers are doing or, or people like me and my persona. Um, 
I, I want to know um, and or send me content and webinars around things that really pertain to my job and make me do it better. So these are all things that people understand and know about. Um, but, you know, it shouldn't be crickets or people following up with me seven days later or automatically getting disqualified because I'm not a C-level or, you know, something like that. Uh, so, um yeah, that's kind of a, it's just a really fun experience to do. Um, and this is a great way to create alignment. I think a lot of revenue teams are really lacking alignment or they're also working still like remotely, which kind of affects alignment. And so this is a great thing to rally the whole team around. And you can see instant improvements, like you can see instant results. And that's kind of what your board, your CEO is like looking, looking for. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my final thing. I think is buyer journey is like the main thing we, we really are creating as revenue growth architects. Like it's a big part of it. It's like 70% of it. Um, so it should be where we're focusing. Yeah. Yeah. I know when, when I started doing this type of work, like I only viewed my internal customers as my customers Yeah, and it took me many years until it was like, oh, I have a direct impact on the customer journey mm -hmm. right? and and i can really highlight that so i love this topic if it's something that you're not active uh definitely take the time to build out that that team um you're not going to meet a c-level person who doesn't want to make the buyer's experience better or the customer yeah. experience better right it's one of their top priorities um so it's something that should be fairly easy to get some buy-in on um, and there's things that you can do on your own, but I love the fact that Chrissy, that, that you're telling uh, our, our audience, let's bring in more than just you. It's not a one person task. It's truly a team. Totally. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's so, <laughs> thank you so much, Chrissy. It's great to have you back on the podcast. Um, and there will be many more episodes oh, yeah. some stuff lined up, which is super exciting. So yeah, uh, I'll be back. Thank you again for your time. And thank you for listening to the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would so much appreciate it if you could come out and give us a review. This does help us get in front of more people. Thank you very much and have a great day.